Okay, fantastic. So we are live. So um, good afternoon, Kai. Thank you afternoon. very. Thank you very much for joining me. I'm incredibly grateful that you've given up your um, lunchtime um, for me and our listeners and, and viewers. So thank you very much. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself for people that you know obviously don't know you. I know a little bit about you. You're group marketing director at um, Bradley's, which is the, lar the largest independent estate agent in the West Country. I've got to be careful where I say Southwest Country the world the universe but no just down there <laughs> you haven't taken over yet have you not yet not yet but it's in, but it's in your plan well i think any marketer's plans to grow isn't it because <laughs> whether physically or just market share well very much so so look thanks very much for joining today really grateful thanks for everybody um watching um or listening to the latest episode of the lunchtime learnings i'm very grateful for it morning jared morning feels like morning jeremy good afternoon from billericay thanks for joining us let's give um Kai some loving some give him some lights give him some hearts and let's share this because there's going to be loads of golden nuggets now we're putting some pressure on him so um how did you get into a state agency in the first place okay so i finished my a-levels i didn't want to go to university i knew that much i didn't want to get into all the debt i wanted to earn rather than than, than mount up some debt and and i opted for an MBQ in business and part of that was a work placement so I had to find somewhere to, to go and work four days a week um, and the two options were insurance brokers or an estate agents so I opted for an estate agent a little one office firm in Taunton High Street um, and bizarrely it was called Baxter's estate agent Chris Baxter who owned the business is actually Bradley's managing director as we speak oh, really? so uh, yeah so I've Kind of followed Chris around a bit. So I worked there as a as an MBQ um, sort of apprentice, I guess. And after a few months, he said, look, Kai, you can carry on doing that, but we actually want to offer you a full-time job here at Baxter's. So I so I accepted pretty quickly um, and, and, and worked my way up from, you know, literally uh, sticking black and white photos onto a set of details and photocopying them 50 times to, uh, to you know, a full-time negotiator, to a senior negotiator. He sold the business, uh, large independent, very large independence that that followed, um, and then it wasn't long before I just knew that the size and scale of them was just it, it didn't have that personal feeling, it didn't have that that um, care and customer focus that I wanted, um, and and the manager at Bradley's then in Taunton asked me to go and join him. Uh, they were a new business in Taunton, relatively new within a year or two, and the, that was 2001, and I've been here ever since. So I worked my way up through the ranks and senior negotiator manager, managed Taunton office for over 10 years, became group marketing manager in 2014 uh, and marketing director last year. Congratulations. Now, what a journey. And um, there's, there's an incredible lesson there. So literally, when you started... What did you know? What are the lessons? So, there's going to be people here. I've started to speak with people who are just starting on their journey in agency, um, maybe leaving school, maybe being an apprentice. Um, you know, what advice can you give these people watching when they're first starting? And before you say that, just say a few hellos. So, hi, Michelle, thanks for joining. Hi, Chris, thanks for joining. Hi, Kevin Jane, thanks very much for joining. So, a little bit of pressure on now, hey. Being 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 watched being watched by your new homes people are you? Yeah, it's exactly that. He knows that he knew I was coming on. So, um, 
in terms of learnings, the, the one thing I would go back to my personal position, as I said, I knew I didn't want to go to university, but I didn't have a clue what else I wanted to do. I, at one point I was going to be a PE teacher and, and, and other than that, I had no, no ideas what to do. And, and so I went down the business route thinking it's always going to be a general good introduction to whatever path I choose is to have some business foundation knowledge. Um, and, and what I would say to anyone today is if you're not sure what to do, don't feel the pressure you have to choose straight away. Try different things. And, and, and it just so happened what I decided to try was exactly right for me. I love people. I love providing good service. I love the interaction. Um, it's, I love the variation. And so it suited me. But but if you're a young person, you're not sure what to do, try it. If it's not right for you, get out and try again. Don't force yourself to stick at something you don't enjoy, you don't feel is right for you. Um, and that was probably the biggest thing for me was I was just lucky I landed in an industry that, that you know, I'm passionate about and I love. Fantastic. So going through your journey where, you know, fantastic, you went to branch manager, running an office. What was it like then working with people and having to manage people? Because, again, making that jump, you know, sometimes people don't necessarily make. They may be the best negotiator. But then to go from a negotiator to branch manager for some people was incredibly challenging. So how did you overcome those challenges? It's not easy because one minute there you're, you know, your colleagues, your your peers at the same level, and suddenly you've then got to to you know, you've got the responsibility. And I think you have to have um, a personal instance was to try and speak to those people, get them on the side, and understand what challenges lay ahead, and actually that they had to look at me slightly differently. Um, but we were all in this together. It was all about the team ethic. Yes, I would take the flack or the responsibility, the praise or the or the cajoling from from those above. But ultimately, it was the same effort, the same focus, the same drive that we needed to carry on. And, and to be fair, like all the state agency teams, they tend to evolve and change a bit, don't they? Um, and, and I think it's probably 18 months, two years and one or two left and it started to evolve. And actually, that's the bigger challenge is not necessarily getting those people to see you suddenly as a manager. It's actually bringing new people in that fit into that team and then you can drive the business forward with those new people. And I still think today, the challenge is still recruiting the right people. Hundred percent. Okay, so I'm going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to go off script as per usual. So, and I come back to your journal. But you touched on their recruitment, and obviously, you know that is important. And I agree. You know, if you, you know, on most masterminds that I'm involved in, most agents I talk to, it's all about how do we get the right people in the right seats in the bus. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for joining us. So, again. How do you go about recruiting? Well, we have a very simple method here at Bradley's, and that's it, 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 getting to know people in the industry or um, and, and building relationships. So either you know somebody is a particularly good valuer in a town or you know a particularly good negotiator or sales progressor. And it's building rapport and relationships within those local towns. And, uh, and at any time where you have a, a, a position or an opportunity is to contact them and, and have a conversation. It's not trying to be deceitful in any way. It's, we respect you. We like what you do. Would you be interested in joining our team? More recently, I would say, we've actually focused on non-estate agent, um, not you know, no, people without experience in the, in the industry and actually going, whether it be retail, whether it be hospitality, and actually feeling that we can mould and shape them into, you know, into our business, perhaps, rather than trying to inherit some bad habits or, um, 
it varies. It depends on the position. But but I think everyone in the last two or three months that we've recruited, which is probably 10, 12 people, they've all had non-industry uh, backgrounds. Um, and then it's about the training regime you then put them in. Okay, so I'll come on training. What sort of questions are you asking these people when you're recruiting? Well, I, I don't tend to get too involved, but but I happen to see an email from my colleague Suzette who does, uh, and and one of her questions that she's really focused on um, is what do you feel is more important, um, the team or the customer? And, and and there's kind of no wrong answer there, but it's interesting to gauge, you know. What's that person's perception? Is it about getting the team right? Then the customer comes next. Because if you get the team environment right, the customer will always be looked after. Um, so it was just an interesting thing that she pointed out to me in, in something yesterday. Um, it, it really does. Do, but what we do look for is confidence. We're happy. We need people to be confident with other people. We have to have a lot of conversations, whether it be on the phone, emails, video calls, Um it's really important that people are confident to do that. And if not, then, then quite honestly, they're probably not right for us. So again, I now start uh, Bradley's. What's the induction process there? And you, you mentioned training. Um, you know, what training do you have in place? Well, it's funny enough, it's changed a bit with COVID. Um, however, if I revert to pre-COVID, we have a uh, between three and five day induction process for every single person that joins the business, whether they have experience or not. And that teaches them right the way from who, you know, the, the, the ownership of the company through to the roles within the company and our ethos, our, 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 um, our outlook and what we focus on as a business. Then it goes through applicant registrations. The real basics, even if someone's a branch manager, they will get to know what we tell somebody that's never been in the industry before and they get to hear it and make sure that they then repeat that when they're obviously bringing new staff into their, their offices at a later date. Um, a lot of it then goes on to, to training with the REPIT system, we use the CRM system, uh, and then very much about building confidence, building conversations, role plays. Um, we're looking at, at shortening that process at the moment and very much then focusing on more uh, frequent follow-ups. So it might be a half-day session on just focusing on role play. It might be a half-day session on uh, tenant referencing, or it might be and, and specialising those follow-up sessions rather than generically having a whole day set aside. So it's more bite-sized chunks rather than a really in, you know in-depth day of, of, of lots of information being processed. Brilliant. Can I come back to something you said previously? So you, when you got promoted and you've literally gone up through a ladder and done absolutely brilliantly. So you had the challenge of obviously managing up and managing down. So again, you know, there's people watching this that have got directors managing them and you're managing down. How did you deal with that? How did you find that? Have you got any tips you can share with people? Because I know, I know at times when I had that, it was incredibly frustrating everyone's got their own style and my style is quite an open and transparent one so um if i was told look this isn't acceptable these are the figures you've got to meet or this area here has got to be improved i would pretty much pass that message down i might put a slightly different slant on it because you had to tailor it to the individuals that you were trying to drive and and, and to to help you achieve that those targets um but i never and bradley's full stop is quite a transparent business we we communicate targets, figures, achievements every week from the managing director to every staff member in the business. 
It is about being open and honest. Um, and, and I think that that was my management style as well. So I would be managing downwards that way with an open and transparent approach, um, tailoring it slightly to different individuals. When it goes back up, it's warts and all as well. It's very much about saying that this is where I'm going to struggle because I haven't got that resource or this is where we're weak and this is where we need some marketing support or we need a, you know, we need another staff member. And it was trying to be as open as you possibly can. But you've also, and particularly I liken uh, or think back to the recession 2008. Um, as a manager, I knew that we weren't going to go out and employ another staff member. So I had to at times make do with really low staff members. But, you know, I'd say to my director at the time, look, I need someone. We're not in a position to go and get them. We'll make do. But but remember this, when we're in position, we're going to need that person. And, and, and it's acknowledging the business level, you know, business side as well. If you know that you're in a recession and you can't afford to do it, there's no point in asking. But but just log that point. Remember this for later on. We are going to need someone. Um, okay. So, yeah, it's open and honesty is, is, is it. And, and tweaking it slightly where needed to individuals. Okay, lovely. So branch manager, director, marketing marketing director, group marketing director. How did you get involved with marketing? Well, um, the truth of the matter was we sat around the board table, the marketing manager that, that um, is still in Bradley's, but, but just wanted to come away from marketing. Uh, and focus on running her branch or run, running a branch, which is where she came from. Um, and it happened over a, our annual board meeting. And I, as a group marketing manager, we were fortunate as a few regional managers are allowed to join the board meeting every year. And I was one of which. And they just basically said, this is the situa situation that's arisen. Who wants to step up to the plate and deal with marketing? And I'll be honest, I didn't volunteer. It, it kind of went around the table and there was eyes looking at everyone. And then it was like, actually, Kai, you're the man for the job. So it, it, I, I confess I wasn't jumping up and down saying me, me, me. Um, but from that moment onwards, I haven't looked back. And I've been really blessed with the, the guys around me and the team here have really put me through a lot of support. I went out and was able to learn a lot from, from different industry groups within the field. And I've got to say that that, that was a huge, huge part of my learning and development was, was to be able to, to get out there and learn and thrust myself into everything marketing, what's out there in the, in the, in the industry too, and particularly with prop tech becoming such a big part of it um, being able to go find out all about that and see where we could utilize it best here at Bradley's. So what com what companies did you go and see and spend time with um, to look at? Um, well, I, a lot of which I guess came to me because as soon as you put marketing manager, every Tom, Dick and Harry seems to approach you, particularly when you've got a reasonably sized, you know, reasonable sized business. Um, it, it, uh, there's a lot of different suppliers that I've I've met with over the years, and it'd be usually industry events, which obviously we're sadly lacking at the moment, where where I really probably learn the most because you you not only see their stands and their stores, and you have conversations with people and get demonstrations of them either there or at a later date. Those rapports, and you know who um, you can kind of just have an honest word with and say, look, you know your product's great, but this is wrong, this is wrong, and this is wrong. They'll take it back and or tweak it or, or, or evolve it so that it suits our business. Uh, and those that just have a you know off-the-shelf product, that's it, okay, well, it's either good for you or it isn't. And I've built a lot of good, meaningful relationships. Um, Simon Whale at Kerfuffle, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, Damon Bullimore at Briefing Market has, has been a large part of that and, and, and very close uh, with those guys. Um, uh, there's a whole load of them, but um, and and you know, 
still to this day, some that we don't use their products, but still have regular conversations with. Um, but but I would say that it's really important to get involved in those industry when we're allowed again, those industry um, forums, seminars. I think they're really, really valuable. OK, brilliant. So marketing wise, what's worked well for you? Most probably in lockdown, um, you know, you must have decided, I'm sure you have a marketing um, budget and also you've also had you, you come up with your marketing calendar most probably six months before the year anyway and then it just gets thrown out the window so um what what did you what did you do differently what did you change as a result of um the lockdowns and this uncharted times we are in yeah uh, well it's bizarre isn't it because overnight it was you haven't got a marketing budget anymore um you know we can't justify spending money just yet let's see what see what pans out and so you looked at what we were already doing we had our portals we had our social media was probably the biggest part that we focused on as a free me you know channel to or channels to to advertise and, and and market to and our website and and they were the three areas that we thought publicly everyone is in lockdown they're still able to go online and obviously we now know they went online even more than they ever have done before um they use social channels more than ever before um and our website was or is the start of everything. So we have a campaign, we have a message, we have a, um, you know, a, a, a promotion, then everything starts on our website, then it feeds out to our social channels and beyond. Um, portal products can help with that to a degree, but we tend not to really focus on them. We tend to focus on more what we can control and where we feel that, that, that we can source um, more buy-in to Bradley's and our ethos and our customer messages. Um, and so I would say the social media side of things was definitely a big win in the lockdown. I think a lot of, a lot of our industry found that. Um, and obviously the longer the lock went, lockdown went on and the more we started to grow a little bit in confidence as an economy um, and activity-wise in our industry, the more I could do, the more we could spend, the more we could target people. And we invested quite heavily, my, my assistant, my colleague Abby, um, we really focused her on, on her increasing her learnings with social media and that's just paid dividends this year um and continues to now i mean we're all learning stuff every day um so i don't think there's there's not a golden nugget i can give you to say that is the one if i had to i guess maybe social but what i would say is it's about all of your different mediums having a consistent message about what brand or promotion or campaign you're running and getting that consistency across whether it's print digital uh social that's that's the key for me get that message across everywhere consistently and that way whether your potential vendor potential landlord buyers um see it on social see it and you know a flyer or see it wherever it may be it's that same message that drip feeds and it's usually five six points of contact that triggers them to contact you so keep that message consistent is is my advice so I think you're spot on. It's everything in combination rather than in isolation um, that, that works. Um, hi, Stephen. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Grant. Thanks for joining us. Um, very grateful. You talk about consistency. So is consistency daily, three times a day, once a month, once a year? Uh, consistency what you can attribute to whatever it is that you're trying to do so for example social media we don't have a plan that we say we must post three times a day what we do say is we must post regularly and ideally that would be one time uh, once a day at least but more importantly we would have certain campaigns running 
constantly. So we might have a sponsored campaign that's running for two weeks. We wouldn't have a gap then. We would have to have something that starts to overlap that before one ends, another one begins. Um, and this year, a lot of that's been about video, about our um, immersive tour offering um, and, and quality homes uh, and uh, marketing, you know, great pictures, great video, great tours and being seen as the one that's got the best quality marketing. So if you are thinking of selling, buying, letting, you're drawn through the quality of their marketing. And, and that's been very much our message um, that we're trying to promote. Um, and it's very easily done these days because of uh, the channels. When we started using video five or six years ago and we were asking the portal websites, we need your platform to host video far more um, easy, more easily accessed. It needs to be a better platform in which to promote video. They just didn't want to know. And suddenly this year lockdown happened and they're suddenly like, oh, look, we do video now. We've got tags saying video. And we're like, wow, okay. Amazing. And I get that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and it was, you know, that's fine. That's great for us. But we're already there. We built our YouTube channel, which is phenomenal, and socials, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. So they're all they're all really well established, which I think has helped us this year just push it on to another level. How do you, how do you find Instagram? Do you get business from it, or what do you use that as a platform for? Um, yes, we do get a little bit of business from it, but but to be honest, we again, it's about like I've just said. It's promoting our quality homes and showing us Bradleys are in that space. It could be, I mean, there was one that Abby picked up and showed me uh, the other day. It was just a, a semi-detached house in a little village down the road, not far from where I live. And she said, look at this. This is stunning inside, but from the outside, it just doesn't look it. Can I put it on Instagram? I said, yeah, of course you can, go for it. Um, and it's just about spotting the right kind of photos, whether it's for a theme that you're running or whether it's just, look, here's a nice home. Um, and, and I think that's where Instagram fits in nicely. It's about quality of imagery and capture, capturing those certain, you know, um, little niche photo shots or, or what have you. You touched on campaigns. So do you sit down at the, I don't know, the most probably end of um, October and say, right, 2021, this is what we need to do. And you set out your whole calendar. I mean, can you give some advice to people that most probably um, don't have a marketing department? Some tips actually, you know, this is what you should be doing. Be prepared. You know, Christmas is coming. You know, are you doing colouring competitions? But don't send them out on the 24th of December. You know, make sure you're starting. So how do you prepare and how do you plan these things? Well, with 30 odd offices, it's not easy. So we, we try and have a localised, uh, allow our offices to have a localised message and marketing as well as a generic Bradley steaming campaign. Um, and, and, and that can change all the time. This year, marketing calendar went out the window clearly. Um, and therefore, it makes it extremely hard to even think about next year because we don't know where we're going to be in December, let alone January, February, March. What I tend to do in a normal year, so this time last year, we've already had a calendar that basically had 12 months of uh, an overriding campaign theme and then six months in more detail of month to month, week to week, day to day, not necessarily six months down the line, but, but a more detailed plan for the next six months, which you're constantly reviewing. And as you're moving on a month into the year, you're then looking a month beyond your six months. So it's then month seven. And, and the reason for that is because things change enormously. So, for example, we've been very lucky and fortunate to have won several awards over the last five or six years. Um, the Negotiator Awards, we won three years in a row. Now, you can't plan to market the fact you're going to win it until you know you've won it. You pencil it in, but you can't say, well, let, let's do this, this, this and this. So there's, there's, 
things that constantly change, but you have an overriding theme and that theme for 2021 will be X and let's focus on that. That's our overriding theme. And actually it might be you run that theme for the next two, three, four, five years. You don't have to change it every year, but if you've got a different message or a different style that you want to promote, then great. And have that message, but it's more about, it's going back to consistency. It's about drip feeding it regularly. It's not about launching it once and leaving it there. It's about constantly drip feeding it because what's your audience tomorrow is not the same audience in a month's time. So keep posting. Actually, that's an interesting point with audiences. How do you market yourself to different audiences? You know, whether it's the older generation here or the, or the, young, or the younger generation there. Um, I think you have to decide your demographics and your um, your personas. So we, you know, we'll target a persona. So we we will literally create Bob and Mary, uh, late fifties, looking to semi-retire, not quite retirement age, want to change their life. Kids have flown the nest. Let's have a marketing message for them. Whether that be a creative that is then not just a display for the windows in offices, it would be for their um, social. Um, pages it'll be for art we'll do like a videoette or a, a mini video aimed at them and we'll just try and strike a chord with the people in that bob and mary situation we'll have the same for um tom who's just got promotion at work he's single lad but he wants to get on the property market or he just wants to buy his first investment property so we'll have a different message for them and it's about creating all of those individual um movers and and i think you could probably put it into five or six moving types that you really want to target and then just hone your messages around each of those and every time you're doing a campaign you have a slightly different message for them if you want to or you could just have an overriding message if you wanted a sort of more brand level campaign campaign okay thank you so again for people watching this and they want to build their youtube channel um how you know how do you obviously started from nothing so every 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 winner was once a beginner um how did you you know how do you start building this up how do you start building your followers up on facebook how do you start um building your followers on instagram as well any tips on those please uh, well we're not actually the the biggest most active on uh, we're very active on social we don't have the biggest audience and the reason being is i don't believe in buying an audience i believe you want an organic audience that's engaged with your content um so I know other companies that might have tens of thousands of Facebook or Twitter followers or Insta followers, but they'll do a competition every single month giving away products and prizes. And that's fine. But to me, you get a lot of people aren't necessarily engaged with your brand. They just like freebies, potentially. Um, and so I think you've got to give value in whatever you do. So, of course, we post videos and tours have said about that. But actually, what about home moving tips? What about preparing your house to sell? What about preparing to let out your first investment property. What steps should you take? So it's not, and also in addition to that is a market commentary. Um, we believe that most people will read a uh, press headline in, in the nationals or on, on a national website and say, oh, the housing market's dropped. Well, actually in the Southwest it hasn't, it's gone up. So it's about giving, whether it's localized towns and counties or whether it's about the whole of the West country, it's trying to give that market commentary and giving some, some value to your audience. Um, and I think the key is to just, again, cross post on every channel. You might have a slightly different message for different channels. But generally speaking, if you've got a message to get out there, put it on everywhere. Don't just confine it to one channel. YouTube's 
a difficult one because for us, it's about quality video content. So our YouTube followers aren't great, although they've doubled since lockdown, bizarrely. Well, not bizarrely, as a result of lockdown and people being online more. Um, but but we focus more on our website. So again, we want our website hosting that, that video and we'll drive traffic to there rather than drive it to YouTube. Now, if you really want to focus on YouTube, you might turn around for the next three months and say, actually, let's drive everything to YouTube to grow our awareness on, online. And you could do the same with any one channel. Okay, so attracting vendors and landlords, let's face it, that's the most important part of this business because without them, um, we're stuffed. Yeah. So again, what are your marketing messages if you're kind enough to share that have worked well? And if you don't, that's absolutely fine. I'm sure the audience here will totally understand. But. I don't think there's any great secret in it. I think it's about... Um, if you have a genuine USP or you have something, you know, a, a different offering, it's you've got to tell people about it. But but tell people about it and why and how it benefits them. So it's all very well saying we're the largest independent in the, in, in the West Country. Well, what does that mean to them? So um, what? Yeah. It, it, at the end of the day, oh, did you know that all of our 32 offices are computer linked so we can match against any buyer or property that you might be interested in. That that there may have a benefit for them, but telling them you're the largest doesn't have any benefit to them. Um, telling them that you've won awards, well, that's nice. What does that actually mean? So you've got to go a little bit further and tell them, you know, your your benefits. Um, there's a lot of estate agents focus on market share. I don't, I'm not convinced that the general public give too much about that. I think they're vastly more impressed if you can show them, actually, this is how we present our properties. We do some whizzy videos with drone footage if you've got a nice you know, country property. Actually, we do a fantastic 3D immersive tour. These things are fantastic because you've got such a big online audience, you're going to get far more traction using something like that. Showing them, but explaining why that's important to use those tools. Fantastic. So what about you? You talked about um, going off and seeing other businesses um what what did you do to to train to learn to carry on improving um you know to going from that that apprentice to literally um group group marketing director i'm fairly competitive so I, outside of work i'd like to take it more so when i was younger took a lot, took part in a lot of sports and i think that natural competitive nature uh, drives you in work as well or it certainly did me so I'd always want to try and pit everybody else to targets um, and exceeding them and beating in my my colleagues at, at numbers uh, I was always driven by that in terms of personal development as well I think I'm not much of a reader I'll probably read one or two books a year um, I'll try and get a beach holiday in if possible and maybe read a book on the beach or something and I quite I find it interesting to learn about individuals so um, I'll read a lot of biographies from people that I admire, whether it be, you know, business, sporting or otherwise. Um, and sometimes just really simple um, coaching and learning, um, you know, books as well. Uh, that To me, it's more about um, absorbing what works in different industries and trying to apply it to a state agency. Does that work? Does it not? The travel industry have done this. Could that work in a state agency? Can we tweak that and change it to, to work at Bradley's, for example? Um, and so I like to absorb lots from other areas, not just in the property industry. It's all very easy to look at your competitors. Actually, I don't really mind too much about them. I want to look beyond that and see what else is out there in the world. Um, 
And I've got to say, a large part of my learning was um, when I became group marketing manager and had to undertake all of that. I learned masses and masses through the Property Academy and and, and their different membership. But yeah. but it was more the speakers and, and, and the same with industry events. When you go to these events, there's some fantastic speakers. And I might get one simple message from a presentation and then go away and maybe read their book or search them online or f- subscribe to their you know, their, their online um, learning or their Twitter feed or whatever it might be and try and evolve my learning and understanding of their messaging and, and what works for them and, and how I can apply that. So what did you take from Seth Godden then? Well, it, it, that was a really good presentation. I was in awe at the end of it and I realised I hadn't written any any real notes and I'm a, I'm a note taker. I like to write lots of notes so I can revisit it. Um and I think I was just inspired at the end of it more than I was actually any real takeaways, if I'm completely honest. I had some great ones earlier on in, in the EA Masters. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think he was just fantastic to listen to. He was just really uh, engaging. And, and yeah, I, I think there was a few of us watching uh, on different ones. And we all said the same. We were just in awe. We just kind of just sat there fixated rather than sat there scribbling notes and takeaways. So is there anything, you know, that you've put into your business from another industry that's worked really well? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, well, I've got to ask, ask some closing questions, otherwise I won't have anybody watching or listening. Uh, not directly. I think there's a lot that we as an industry have taken from others that then we, PropTech has probably brought it in, in my, you know, um, if you look at number of functionalities on different websites, for example, a lot of what we have now in PropTech has come from other industries before it was in a state agency. Um, the difficulty is, is having the technology, and we're, we're fantastic. We've got three great IT guys here at Bradley's, but at the end of the day, they haven't got the time or ability to, well, not so ability, but the time definitely, because we run them too hard, uh, into going and creating a new product or a new system. But what I can do is say, look, I'm gonna go out there and find it, let me show it to you and you've got to see how that can then fit into our website or into our social, into our digital strategy. Um, so no, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but but I definitely think that our industry is learning more and more from other industries and particularly about customer experience. It's got to be about user and customer experience. That's where the whole industry, I mean, COVID has really highlighted that, um, how we can do so much more with technology than, than we were before. Um, and it's making it all more efficient, which in time means we can give an even better customer experience. 100%. I know you touched on Brief Your Market earlier, and I know you're a big fan of that. Is there any tech out there that you quite like that you think has made a difference to your business? And I'm not on commission from any of them. So you can you can fire away. Um, brief Your Market, definitely. Um, it, it feel, I, I regularly speak to those guys and and. and People ask me about it because, you know, I'm a big advocate of theirs. And I think it's an almost essential part of your marketing plan, whether you're a one office firm or a 500 office firm, having email marketing to fill gaps, communicate with your database, whether your guys are particularly good at that or not, is absolutely essential. Whether you use things like status triggers, that's up to you and automation, that's up to you, but have an email marketing campaign. That's definite, definitely uh, a must for me. Um, I love the Akaboom. I love the Akaboom presentation. We don't actually use it as much as I thought we would in Bradley's. Um, and that's basically down to managers, you know, having the options to them. Is that right for their market? Is that right for them? 
But to me, I think if there's one tool that I would love when I was out there mark, uh, listing properties, I would have loved that. Um, Definitely uh, help with your follow-ups, getting those alerts. Absolutely Great. right. Get on, the, get on the phone to that vendor. They're watching us now. That's it. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, th 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 there's so much out there, it's hard. And, and probably my, one of my biggest challenges has to be sorting not the wheat from the chaff because they're all good in their own right but what's right for us what where where's actually going to help our business either make us more efficient or produce extra income um and that's the really hard part i mean it's really interesting you say that because i was speaking to somebody that starting doing some work um with tomorrow and we had a conversation and i said you know what are you using and he came up with about seven things I said, well, do you really need all those seven things? Are they going to benefit your business or are you just overpaying on it? And, and actually, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's choosing what is right for your business and what's going to give you the correct return on investment. Because if you're not getting the co correct return on investment, then, you know, why are you having this shiny thing? Um, it's got to be what's going to, what's going to be best for your business and what's going to earn you money. I think also you've got to add in from our perspective, because, again, the size and the complexity of all the different offices and the technology we use, it's got to work within our CRM. We, it, the moment you add some technology or software, it has to, to make us efficient. There's no point having duplicate entries for everything because this technology is great over here. Oh, but actually, it just means we're going to have to add that back into this data to somewhere else. That's creating more work, not less work. Um, so it's a it's a big part of what we do is it has to fit in with our CRM system in some way, shape or form to make us, you know, make it attractive to us. And, and I'm quite honest with most suppliers at the start. Do you have an integration? Can we work with foundations? What, what Where are you with Repit? Because Repit is the CRM of choice. So, you know, that that's often where, where I start with most suppliers. And if it's a no, then, OK, well, speak to me when you've got it. Fair enough. I'm really grateful for your time. So one final question. If you were starting today, yeah. what would you do differently knowing what you know now? Cool. I would I would go all out with even more marketing, harder and wider than ever before. Um, I was always a lit I wasn't conservative in marketing, but I just didn't spread my wings as far as I should have done, particularly when I was managing an office. I just felt we'd stick to the same two or three things that, that seemed to work. You could kind of monitor it and it I would just be, be really, really hard and fast pushing out some serious marketing in lots of different areas. I'd be all over social in particular. Um, social and search are the two areas I believe have got the biggest growth in our industry. Um, and I think that they will they will be the future. Um, searches, you know, look at how searches evolve, particularly like voice search, for example, is massive. And yet we're not really even cottoning onto that uh, as an industry particularly well yet. Uh, and that's all to come. So marketing is definitely an area. And, and knowing what I know now, which is vastly more than what I did back then, it would be about mass marketing. Okay, brilliant. Well, look, I'm incredibly grateful for your time. So thank you very much. Thank you for being a great um, guest. Really appreciate it. Um, thank you, everybody, for watching now, listening, or whether you're on replay. Um, thank you. Really grateful. Um, there are so many people that are coming up on the lunchtime learning. So I've got a lady next Tuesday who's going to be talking about Brené Brown. Um, I've got Chris Helder on Wednesday morning at 7 o'clock in the morning, so you need to get out of bed for that. Chris is an international keynote speaker. 
I have got um, Nigel Risner and Neil Martin coming back on. Uh, I've got numerous other guests from here in Australia as well coming. So please tune in, please subscribe, please share it with your colleagues. Um, get them to go to the SJB Facebook page. If you'd be kind enough, if you're listening to this on the podcast, please rate and review it. And have a great Thursday afternoon or whenever you're listening or watching it. Have a great day. So thanks very much. Kai, thank you so much for your time and being a wonderful guest. And thank you all. Have a great Thursday. Bye. Bye.